Today's scripture reading is from Acts 7:54 through 8:1. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. This is the word of the Lord. This, this passage describes a moment in the life of the early church when it, it probably felt to many people like things could not get any worse than they were. This was a real low point for them. Uh, the man, Stephen, whose murder is reported here was a leader in the church. He was known for his wisdom, known for his compassion for people in need. Uh, Stephen served on a team of people whose job was to distribute uh, food to hungry widows. We also read early in, earlier in Acts that Stephen had a passion for telling other people about Jesus. So he was a very godly person, someone the whole church looked up to. And in Acts chapter 6, Stephen was arrested on false charges. He was hauled into court and he was put on trial. He tried to present a defense for himself, but as you can tell from this passage, he was not given a fair hearing. Uh, he wasn't allowed to finish speaking. He wasn't permitted to call any witnesses. No jury pronounced, uh, reached a verdict. No judge pronounced a decision. None of these things took, took place. They just ran at him, grabbed him, dragged him out into the streets, and he was killed. He was murdered, really, by a mob. After his death, as we just heard in verse 1 of chapter 8, great persecution broke out against the church. They were all persecuted. All except for the few leaders were scattered. They lost their homes. They lost their jobs. They were refugees. They ran for their lives. So this was a low point for them. And I would imagine that you can think of some low points that you've gone through in your life. We all have. Those times when you were very discouraged, those times when you felt completely alone, times when you were afraid, times when you were ashamed. We have these low points. And would you agree that in moments like that, it's easy to lose hope, right? But in this story of Stephen, we learn that even in the lowest points as Christians, there, there are certain things that are always true, even in the lowest point. Here, here's one of them. Christian, even at your lowest point, you are never alone. You're never alone. 
Now, as far as we know, when Stephen died, none of his friends were with him, right? His, uh, his family was not present. His church was not there. The only people with him when he died were his enemies, people who hated him. And in a situation like that, we, we would understand if, if Stephen felt alone, right? There are situations where you just feel isolated. I wonder what those situations have been for you. Maybe when you went through a divorce. Maybe um, when you struggled with depression. Maybe when you moved to a new country and you didn't really speak the language yet. You just feel cut off. You feel isolated, alone. Now, Stephen was in one of those situations where he probably just felt completely abandoned, alone. But you see this passage? He was not alone. Let me start at the beginning of the passage again. It says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of, Stephen, full of what? Stephen, full of fear. Stephen, full of grief. Stephen, full of shame. No, it says, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. So in this moment of his life, when perhaps... Stephen felt more alone than he'd ever been. In that very moment, God's Spirit was present. He wasn't alone. The Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God wasn't simply near him, like, oh, the Holy Spirit was in the same room. No. He wasn't even just with him. Isn't this mysterious? In, in some sense, the Spirit of the living God was actually in him. He was filled with the Spirit. In this moment in his life when, when it just probably felt like he was, had been completely abandoned, God's Spirit was closer to Stephen than the air that he was breathing. Stephen, full of the Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. Now, the presence of the Spirit that Stephen experienced in that moment, you probably know, do you, that the presence of the Spirit he experienced was the fulfillment of a promise that Jesus made to all his people. Christian, Jesus made this promise to you. What is the promise? Well, the night before he died, John chapter 14, Jesus said this. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor or another helper to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Jesus made that promise. He promised the presence of God's Spirit to anyone and everyone who loves him and trusts him and follows him. Even if you feel like the worst Christian in the world, God's Holy Spirit is in you. He promises the Spirit. Now, what, what does the Holy Spirit do for us? One thing He does is He empowers us to serve God. You don't have to serve God in your own strength or your own abilities. He empowers you to do that. Jesus said in Acts 1 verse 8, He said to His, his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. He will empower you to represent me to the world. Another thing the Spirit does is He enables us to pray. You ever feel like it's hard to pray? I feel that way often. But the Bible says in Romans 8 that the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. He helps us pray when we feel like we can't pray. You, you, you see that here with Stephen. 
I mean, I would not feel like praying if someone were throwing stones at me, all right? But what's he doing? He's praying for them. Why, why, why was Stephen able to pray? Was he such a great prayer warrior? I don't think so. I think it was the Spirit of God with him right then. He wasn't alone. Sometimes you just need someone to pray with you. He wasn't alone. The Spirit was there. Not another thing the Holy Spirit does is he gives us deep, deep inner peace. Paul, Paul called this in Philippians 4, he called it the peace of God that transcends understanding. In, in, in other words, you can't really explain it. You're like, I don't know why I feel so peaceful right now, but I do. Have you, some of you, have you ever experienced that? Everything in your life is falling apart. There's no logical reason why you should not be panicking. And there's just this sense of peace. God's with you. One, one author wrote, the world's peace ebbs and flows, but the Holy Spirit is with God's people forever, and nothing can destroy the peace He gives to those who love and obey the Lord. One, one final thing, he, he empowers us to serve, He helps us to pray, He gives us peace. One final thing that I'll mention, the Holy Spirit enables believers. He gives like a supernatural ability to love people who are not easy to love. I wonder if you can think of anyone who is just not easy for you to love, all right? Before you get too judgmental, someone might be thinking of you, all right? <laughs> but we all have those times where it's just really hard to love someone, and the Holy Spirit can empower us to do that. You know, um, you see that with Stephen. I, I wouldn't have felt loving thoughts towards those that wanted to kill me. But isn't it something that as he's dying, he prays for God, God, please forgive them. Don't hold this against them. How did, how did Stephen do that? Was he just like some kind of super Christian? Was he a really, really nice person? No, he was empowered by the Spirit. Romans 5 verse 5 says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Galatians 5 verse 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. So I would just suggest if you're in a little relational tangle right now and it's hard to love someone, would you consider asking the Holy Spirit to empower you to love them? So th these, are, these are all things that are, are fulfillment of the promise Christ made. These are things the Holy Spirit does for us. But the point, the point I'm driving at is He's with us. Believer, He's in us, even in the lowest point. You're not alone. Second thing we learn from Stephen's story is that, he, listen, even in your lowest point, God is in control. How many of you know that? He's in control. It, again, it says the members of the Sanhedrin heard this. They were furious. They gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen looked up to heaven. Now, I find that instructive. I find it something that I need to notice that Stephen looked up to heaven, and I'll tell you why. Because sometimes, if I can be honest, I forget to do that, all right? I'm in a really tough situation. I'm feeling stressed out. I'm feeling discouraged. And you, you know what I do? I look at my circumstances, or, or I look at my resources, or I look at other people, or I look within myself, and sometimes I forget to look up to God, right? You know what Snoopy said? Remember Snoopy was Charlie Brown's dog? Snoopy said that the secret to life is keep looking up, all right? And that's what Stephen did. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up 
to heaven. And when he did that, what did Stephen see? It says he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I, I don't think the people around him wanted to hear this. He just he was so excited he couldn't help but share it with him. He said, verse 56, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, here's what's interesting about this story. This, it, it, this experience of Stephen's, it took place in the Sanhedrin. And we all say, what in the world is the Sanhedrin? Well, the Sanhedrin was the rabbinical court in first century Jerusalem. This was the gathering where the high priest and the other religious leaders, they would render judgments and they would make decisions that would determine the fate of thousands of people. All right? In other words, the Sanhedrin, you could say, it was the center of power in Stephen's world. And we have places in our world we think of as the centers of power, places where people we don't even know make decisions that might affect our lives, right? Like uh, the White House, like the Kremlin, like Wall Street. There are places where people are making decisions. They, people of power are deciding things. The Sanhedrin was the center of power in Stephen's world. But when Stephen looked up, he realized that the center of power is not down here. He realized that the true center of power is up there, right? He, he said to those around him, hey, look, guess who I see standing at the center of power? I see Jesus. But you, you know, after his resurrection in Matthew 28, Jesus appeared to his followers in, in, in Galilee. You know what Jesus said to them? He said, all authority, not some, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So guess what that means, Christian? That means that no matter what's going on in your life right now, or no matter how discouraged you are, no matter how difficult things might become, Christian, listen to me. Your Savior is in control. He's in control of what? Of everything. He's in control. Now, Bible readers for, for centuries have read this passage and they've wondered, they've wondered why was it that in this vision that Stephen had, why did he see Jesus standing at the right hand of God? Because, you see, most places in the Bible where the ascension of Christ is mentioned, Jesus is described as sitting at the right hand of, of God. So why did Stephen see him standing? And the answer is, we don't know, all right? But... Many scholars have noted that in the Bible, when the Hebrew high priest would enter into the temple to intercede in prayer for God's people, the priest would stand in the presence of God. In other words, in the Bible, standing is a posture of intercession. It's a posture of praying for someone else. So, so many have wondered if if maybe what was symbolized in Stephen's vision was, was the idea that in the moment of his, Stephen's greatest need, his Savior was standing in prayer for him. I wonder what you think about that. It's, listen, that is not as crazy an idea as you might think. Here, here's why. Romans 8 verse 34 says, Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God interceding for us. I'm not sure what that means, but it just gives me goosebumps. Believer, in some sense, right now, right now, 
Your name is on the lips of the Savior. He's interceding for you, for your family. He's, Hebrews 7.25 says, Christ is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. One uh, theologian named Louis Burkhoff wrote this. He wrote, it is a consoling thought that Christ is praying for us even when we are negligent in our prayer life. He is presenting to the Father spiritual needs which we often neglect to include in our prayers. He prays for our protection against dangers of which we are not even conscious. He is praying that our faith may not cease and that we may come out victoriously in the Lord. Now listen, um, believer in Christ, do you, do you know what's going to happen if the one who's standing at the right hand of God is praying for you to come out victorious in the Lord. You know what's going to happen? You're going to come out victorious in the Lord. The Father will answer His prayer. You can count on that. And now this, I hope you know this doesn't mean nothing hard or bad will ever happen to you. That's not what it means. I mean, Jesus was praying for Stephen, and Stephen died, right? Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that nothing hard will ever happen to us, but it does mean this. Nothing hard will ever conquer you or diminish your faith. You, 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 in fact, Romans 8 says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, right? So Stephen, yes, he died. And what happened? He's welcomed into the presence of the Lord. It's interesting that Luke, the, the author, describes it in verse 58. It says they dragged him out, out of the city and began to sow him. They wanted him out. See, Jerusalem was the holy, the holy city. They wanted him out of the holy city. And when he died, guess what happened? The Father welcomed him into the true holy city. They could not keep him out of God's presence. They, he, even at your lowest point, maybe you're there today, God's in control. He's with you. He's in control. And then one more thing uh, we learned from Stephen, and that's that even at the lowest point, uh, God's grace is always working. God's grace is always at work. Now, there's a strange detail about, uh, about this passage. Uh, Luke, the author, says that there was a young man named Saul who was there watching the coats of, uh, of the mob that was stoning, stoning Stephen. And you might say, you know, why would you say that? It seems like such an extraneous, irrelevant detail. Who cares who was watching the coats? Well, what Luke was doing is what any good author will do. He's, he's foreshadowing something that will, will be very important later in his book. And, and so you, you may know this. This young man, Saul, who was watching over the coats, he later becomes a violent, violent persecutor of the church. He kind of spearheads all of the opposition against God's people. And then in chapter 9 of Acts, this guy Saul has an encounter with Jesus Christ that absolutely transforms his life. He is radically converted. He is forever changed. He, he becomes an avid follower of the Messiah. He's changed so much he actually changes his name from Saul to Paul. You know the story. He becomes the apostle Paul. He, 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 comes from, he, he, he goes from someone who was, you could say he's participating in a lynch mob to arguably the greatest apostle in the church. 
I mean, the Apostle Paul took three missionary journeys throughout the Roman Empire. He started as many as 14 uh, different churches. He, he, uh, he wrote at least 13 books of the New Testament. His thoughts shaped Christian theology to this very day. He's, he's, he, some would say the greatest apostle. And, and you, if you read that, you might ask, how could that happen? How, how could someone go from being a murderer to a missionary? Right? How could, how could this happen? Well, the answer is not that Paul worked hard to change himself, right? Or that early Christians were so persuasive they could convince him to become a better person. No, no. How did someone change like that? The answer is grace. God's grace in Jesus Christ. And so what, one thing that you learn from this story is that no one, do you know this? No one is beyond the reach of God's grace. Amen? Some people would say amen to that. And even when you can't see it, God in His grace is always working. So it might be that you're here today, but you're feeling really, really far from God. Or someone you love just seems like he or she is really, really far from God. And you might feel a little bit hopeless about that, right? And so when you hear the story of Stephen, you should say, wait a minute, if God, if, if God can reach Saul, the murderer, and make him Paul, the missionary, you know, there's no reason for me to despair. There's no one he can't reach, right? So let, this is something I'll just read to you. This is from a blog I once wrote. Um, there was once a teenager who was kicked out of his church youth group for being a bad influence on the other kids. There was once a young intellectual whose mother wept in prayer after he abandoned his Christian upbringing for a life of sexual sin. There was once an English professor at an elitist university who ridiculed Christians while touting his atheism. There was once a young radical whose bohemian lifestyle led her to hang out in bars, to spend time in prison, and to conceive a child out of wedlock. There was once a young Sikh who burned the pages of a Bible to express his contempt for the Christian God. There was once a vicious street gang leader whose passion for violence filled his neighborhood with fear. And you say, who are all these people? Well, these are all people who were radically changed by the grace of God. The first, the first Billy Graham got kicked out of his youth group, worldwide evangelist. The second, Augustine of Hippo, a famous bishop and theologian. The third was C.S. Lewis, Christian apologist and author. The fourth, Dorothy Day, social reformer and devout believer in Christ. The fifth, Sadhu Sundar Singh, perhaps the most famous missionary ever to come out of the Indian subcontinent. And, and the last was Nikki Cruz, preacher and evangelist. So listen, no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. God is always working. Listen, He's working right now. Do you know that? In this room, He's working. In response to your prayers, he's working. See, Ezekiel 36, you know what Ezekiel 36 says God can do? God can do this. God, God can remove a heart of stone, just a dead, hard heart in someone's life. He can remove that heart and replace it with a living, beating heart of flesh that yearns for the ways of the Lord. He does that all the time. It, it, Mark chapter 3 says that God, God can bind any spiritual strongman who holds someone's captive, and he can set that person free. God can do that. He does it all the time. 
2 Corinthians 4 says that God can open minds that are spiritually blind to the gospel by speaking the light of Christ into people's hearts. God can do that. He does it all the time. And Ephesians chapter 2 says God can take people who are dead in their transgressions and sins and He can make them alive with Christ. God can do that. Christian, He did that for you. No one's beyond the reach of God's grace. So what do we learn from Stephen? Even at the lowest point, look up. Amen? Look up. Christian, you are not alone. Look up. God is in control. Look up. God's grace is at work right now. Look up. Let's pray together. We pray, Father, that today by the Holy Spirit from Your Word, You would call us to look up. That as we do so, we would see with the, mind, the, the eyes of our heart, we would see that at Your right hand is one who loved us enough to die for us. That we would trust in Him. And that we would know that everything's in Your hands for Christ's glory. Amen.